This is the 4501 Podcast, episode 23, The Big Data Revolution. Hey, Tony, how's it going, man? I'm doing pretty good. You, Mark? I'm all right. Uh, Well, before we get into this podcast, because it's going to be really really big concepts big technology big data revolution but before that how was your trip to madrid i really liked it i uh i not only went to madrid but i also went to oviedo oviedo saragossa o-v-i-d-e-o okay uh saragossa i believe you (laughs) and uh valencia just south of valencia to the beach so was that the was the beach on the Mediterranean or was it on the Atlantic? Um, one of them on north coast of Spain was on the Atlantic. The other one at Valencia was uh, on the Mediterranean. Yes. Which one was better? The w- I'm assuming the Mediterranean. You're right. Yes. Why'd you think that? I know I'm right because all the I don't know. I just know that Mediterranean beaches are or, or coastal cities like Greece. Mm. All all those are in the Mediterranean. Italy's on the Mediterranean too, right? So yes, yes. So I mean, all those places have really nice beaches, and I've been to the Atlantic Atlantic Ocean beach, beach <laughs> beaches, beaches in you know Maryland and New Jersey, <laughs> yeah, and Connecticut and Mar- Massachusetts, and uh, they're not that great. And the Bahamas. Oh, and the Bahamas. Well, technically, I, I it, it's yeah, the Atlantic. It is, it is the Atlantic. Yeah, you're right. I didn't. It's not Caribbean just yet. But um, yes, the Bahamas were really nice, and I'm actually surprised how nice they were. I I've never been there, but I've seen pictures, and it looks like stunning. It, I mean, it looks like the Caribbean. Yeah. So um, I was on vacation to the Bahamas last week. That's why Tony had a solo podcast that was 15 minutes long. And uh, <laughs> honestly, the Wi-Fi there was terrible. It was like two up, two down. So oh, you did the speed test. Yeah, I did the speed test. Uh, I think the max I got was like five up or five down, like two up. So even if we recorded a podcast, it would have taken like the whole entire trip to, for it to upload to Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. No worries. We uh, we figured it out. It's all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and anyways, uh, are you planning on any more trips or do you want to tease that out? for the next couple episodes i am planning another trip um let's let's wait, wait, let, let, let's let's hold off yeah on it. yeah let's do that okay fair enough we'll get into today's topic okay which is as you alluded to and as they probably know because they clicked on the, the episode to listen to it uh the big data revolution and this was actually your idea for the topic this week right yeah so let me get into that a little bit so when i was in the bahamas i read like three books i was really impressed i caught up on one and I, I actually read two books front to back, which I was very impressed about. One of those books that I read was a it was a sports analytics book. It was actually called Astro Ball. Okay. And it's a story about how this team called the the Houston Astros, like a few years ago in the in the I guess 2010, 2009, um, they were really bad. I mean have you have you heard of the Houston Astros before? I think so. I don't follow okay. sports, but you know that. Uh, Okay, yeah. Well, so their baseball team, they were like dead last. They were DFL in, in, in the entire like Major League Baseball. Um, 
and they actually got into a lot of these data analytics and, and big data sets to track kind of all their players to kind of project how their players will do in the future and also what type of players they wanted to field on their team. And so they just used all these big data sets to actually develop their team. And eventually they won a world series based on all those analytics. And so if you don't know baseball, there's a, there's kind of a movement because it's what baseball is all statistics, right? Yeah. I mean, you got batting average on base percentage. There's, you just have a lot of stats with it. And so kind of in like the two thousands, there's something, a term called like, um, sabermetrics. Um, basically all that is, is just using these baseball statistics to kind of assess a player, a baseball player and see how they'll do in games or, or what their potential is when they go into the major leagues. And so that's kind of the push. Now, every single baseball team, a professional baseball team in the United States is pushing an analytics department and they're using all this math and all these machine learning algorithms and all these stats. I don't know. You could, we'll talk about that a little bit because that's what you used to do, um, to, to kind of collate all these data, put it into a database and then develop their team off of that. So, so that's why I came up with this topic because I, I finished Astro Ball and it was like a really, really, really good book. Yeah, yeah. I never heard of that. We'll, we'll talk about it, but what were the other two books that you read? Just just curious. So I really don't want to talk about this. <laughs> so the, um, the, the other book was, um, God, I forget. It was, the Mar- it was that Mark Matson book. Mm, not familiar. Mark Matson. Oh, man. I got to Google. I, I read it. I swear to God. Oh, it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F-U-C-K. Oh, uh, yeah. I actually read that. I liked that a lot. You liked it? I thought it was kind of boring. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll take that. The first like chapter, the first two chapters was really good, and then it just kind of like faded off. Yeah. Okay. But okay, we maybe <laughs> we'll talk about Mark Matson in a future podcast because isn't he one of your your inspirational no. person people? Oh, he's not. No. Okay, never mind. Um, okay, and uh, the last book was just um, it was just like a historical Civil War book. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, I uh, I I don't know how, but I am. Um, like I've heard maybe I met somebody who worked in not baseball but like stats like big data with maybe like a, a basketball team like it, this can be applied not only to baseball but other sports as well like um, football b- basketball etc anything with statistics normally um, you can apply this type of learning to and uh, I think it's just fascinating that like you mentioned Mark you can kind of like project how a player is going to do or like based on his previous performance you can kind of see where he's gonna perform in the future am, am i understanding that correctly yeah no exactly and and they're not so taking the baseball example so the way you get drafted or you join a team is you get drafted in the major league in major league baseball okay so you have these people that are called scouts and basically these guys are essentially talent evaluators and so what they'll do is they'll actually go to a baseball game they'll look at a player and they'll say, oh, this guy is has X, Y, Z, okay? He's good at fielding, he's good at pitching, he's good at hitting or whatever. And they'll just, I think they usually just, they, there's five different tools. But well, this isn't a baseball podcast. This is data. <laughs> but basically, um, what the Houston Astros started doing too was they started to kind of, um, they also started to like analyze the, the scouts because the scouts are very subjective, right? Like one scout may think a baseball player mm-hmm. is like really good, but the next one doesn't. Yep. And so they actually started to develop kind of um, 
algorithms based trying to predict if a scout was good at assessing a player or not. I, I like that. It's it's very like quantitative and uh, like you said, it's not subjective, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what they they, did, they definitely did mean to to make it a point in the book to say that like we use the analytics, but it's trying to bridge this kind of subjective. Uh, approach with this analytical approach and try to merge the two together because machines sometimes get it wrong right they're not 100 percent perfect yeah yeah i mean so we're talking about baseball now but and you talked about how it could apply to all sports i think it can apply to all fields like every single kind of profession in today's world right because i would, would when you worked at your hedge fund did you use kind of big data to develop algorithms in terms of the financial financial aspects we use big data but not for the algorithms we use big data for the data storage and the um the market data right like the stock data yeah that was yeah you understand um yeah yeah and then uh um and it's actually so let's first let's first define big data right because i feel like that's actually i i know it's a buzzword um it's not actually a term that is I guess accept it in this, at least in the software industry. I don't know. Does does do you think big data exists outside of software? Because I can only come at it from a software perspective. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely see in the science. There's definitely a push. Um, to it's called in this case. So big data we're referring to are just these giant databases, right? That's my definition of big data. Yeah, a large data set that a large data set. Yep. That um, and by definition, cannot be process using traditional techniques computing techniques yeah that's by the book definition uh what are those traditional computing techniques um typically just database history 101 databases are something uh traditionally called relational databases and let me just ask does that make sense to you mark what a relational database is no but i'm assuming it's like you have to have it like if you're trying to figure out the height of everyone in the United States, you would just put that into a database as just a collection of everyone's height. Uh, let me, yeah, let me let me take a stab at explaining it. Um, we all know Excel, right? Yes. So Excel spreadsheet has rows and columns. Each row can be like a different person, and we'll use your height example. Um, each person has their first name, their last name, which would be columns. Column number one, first name. Column number two, last name. Column number three, height. Okay. And yep. um, let's say we want to track something else about these people, like where they're from. You could add another column and say that they're from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, Reading, Pennsylvania, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at a certain point, you're going to have this massive spreadsheet with some data that overlaps, right? And like there's multiple people from Reading, there's multiple people from Baltimore. Instead of storing those pieces of data, over and over again, you kind of want to open up a new spreadsheet and relate that first spreadsheet with the second spreadsheet. Like, just think of an arrow pointing back to that first spreadsheet. That's where the relational database comes. It's multiple tables. We use the word tables in database, the database world. Each spreadsheet is a different table, and they basically have arrows pointing back and forth. Does that kind of make sense? And so you can just pull a lot more information. Like, you're just pulling information on information on information yeah and and the 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 punchline is you don't want to repeat data like you want to minimize as minimize storage right because storing baltimore maryland over and over again that 
that gets really large really quick. I gotcha. So, so what you're saying is big data in terms is just a way to kind of minimize the amount of Excel files in a, in a storage unit. Well, so what I just explained was traditional relational databases. Okay. Nowadays, 2019, we don't really have the issue of storage, right? Storage is so inexpensive and um, cheap, right? Like there's terabytes and petabytes and, you know, you can go to the store and buy a, a 10 terabyte hard drive, right? Yes. Um, so we don't have that issue traditionally of uh, trying to, s- you know, squeeze as much out from storage as we did before. So we developed over time, software developers have developed different ways of storing data and we don't have those remember those arrows we don't have those relations anymore we basically have a, a new file system we know we know file systems from your computer right we have a different way of storing data that's basically like a file system and uh, there's not all these pointers pointing back and forth it's it's much quicker um, it's much more flexible and uh, um, yeah I, th- I think that's uh, as much as far as I want to go into it without getting too um, techy Okay. Okay. So, so how can you use those big data sets? How can you use big data in, in to like, I don't know, I guess, how is that changing kind of the, the, the advancements of technology or whatever? Like, why is it so revolutionary? I guess that's why is that, that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's super revolutionary just because of the, I think the applications that you can get from it because, and I, I love statistics. Um, so much data is being produced every single day. Um, there's a statistic that says 90% of the world's data was generated in the f- last few years. Okay, and wh- what is all this data though? Like, where is this data coming from? Well, you have like cell phones, you have social networks, you have, you know, search engines and all this stuff, and you have people's behaviors online. Every like action that you take online could be tracked, and all that information can sit in a database somewhere but unless somebody analyzes it or does something with it it's kind of useless so i think one of the big things with big data is trying to analyze these massive data sets and trying to pull out useful information from them Um, and that like i just mentioned multiple different um, fields social media everything Um, analyzing this data is something that is like you mentioned mark with baseball something that's valuable and uh necessary yeah okay so so going back to so beyond uh the sports we actually use kind of these these big data sets in science a lot and that's definitely the push now we call them like omics so basically transcriptomics metabolomics and uh proteinomics and basically what you're looking at is is essentially what type of genes are expressed by people what type of proteins are expressed by people or whatever in different conditions. It could be like during cancer, or it could be during like an infectious disease or something, or what type of metabolites they're, they're actually having in their system during whatever disease or infection. And people actually are, you, you have to publish these data sets online to get published. And so I think there, this is kind of like, I don't say it's easy pickings because it's kind of hard to get through, but since they're published online, you can actually look for a specific condition. Let's say, um, uh, just like a, there's a disease X, okay? You're looking at disease X and there's probably 100 people and you have 
let's say the the metabolomic data for it okay so you know what metabolites these guys are are kind of looking or kind of having in their system during disease x you can go back to those data sets look through compare all 100 people and see if there's a trend between those 100 people and then kind of use that as a starting point to look for different ways to like if there was a metabolite z if this was expressed in all these people you can go back and try to figure out why this metabolite z is it promoting the disease or is it something else does that make sense oh yeah 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 it's uh again like taking that data set and analyzing it and try to come up with something valuable something informative that you can't really see just from looking at it like a human looking at it right yeah so i think the term for that is what data mining oh yeah yeah I, again like i'm always skeptical of these because it's i think they're all just big buzzwords right like big data and but, but data that, mining but, but if, if you said data mining people know kind of what you mean well i i would know what data yeah. mining is because you're essentially you're, you're looking at giant data sets and you're trying to mine something that isn't is of interest to yeah. you and it, it sounds cool too <laughs> well, yeah um but yeah well i agree um it's uh it's kind of like what i did when i was working at the hedge fund like you said um taking that historical stock data and putting an algorithm on top of it and trying to project how it's going to perform in the future it's very similar yeah okay and so what are you able to get into the specifics of that or not really um at a, at a high level i mean that's that's how the hedge fund that i worked for it worked right like we we had this massive so- go ahead what was the outcome of it though? So what, like you, you made this system, right? You might, you looked at the historical data and you projected something. Right? Yeah. Based and based on, based on the, based on the historical yeah, data. So you have for every single day in history for a specific stock, actually across all stocks, or it doesn't have to be stocks. It could be bonds, um, you know, commodities for an exchange. You have all these individual data pieces for every single day. And sometimes every minute of every single day that the stock market's open. So that right there, by definition, is big data. Um, You're looking at these um, individual pieces of data over time, seeing how they performed based on, you know, some algorithm that some smart people came up with. And here, I'll take a step back. You come up with an idea about how to make money off the market. And you test that theory yep. with the historical data. And if it works in the past, it should work in the future. That's that's how basic I can boil it down to. So you're kind of testing a theory over time, historically. And if it worked in the past, then it should work in the future. And, and so did you see that what your your project, was it actually successful or was it not? accurate so because this is going back to the sports this is going back to the sports where you have your algorithm which i would say is pure purely analytical there's no type of human subjectivity to it could if you're comparing it with a human who would win i i i think you, you cannot predict the stock market even though um you know, people people try to all the time, but it's impossible, and it is actually driven by human behavior. And I I don't I can't make a comparison between the two. Well, I think that that's a that's everything though. I mean, all there's always gonna you can only go with analytics so far, right? You, statistics and analytics can go only take you so far. You need to have some sort of human element to it because um, 
let's say let's go back to baseball let's say your analytics project that player player w okay they're not that they're not going to develop into a good player but what you're mm-hmm. missing is like what if player w is like what if they know they suck okay what if they know they need to improve how do you right. incorporate yeah, you can't. one's determination to improve into your algorithm mm-hmm. you can't do that so I think that's one fallacy with the, this this big data revolution is is yes we're relying on analytics, yes we're relying on these past histories, but there are outliers and sometimes those, uh, those outliers do have a large impact on what you're actually doing. Yeah, yeah, no, it, <laughs> we're not magicians, right? We can't, uh, we we no. can't can't be can't be perfect. So so if that's the case, then why why is there a big giant push for it? Just because we have this data available? Yeah, that's. I think what we're talking about is just a small um, edge case. I think the majority yep. of it is valuable. Um, for example, let's let's use the example of uh, search engines, right? Yep. People uh, go to Google multiple times a day. I probably go to Google like a dozen times a day. What do you think? You, how many queries do you do a day? Um, all I know is that I googled big data revolution before this podcast so (laughs) okay let's just assume that uh multiple billions of people use the internet every day specifically google and do multiple queries every day that's a lot of stuff happening and if you would just look at that uh if you would just track all of that in a database and have it sit there um that's kind of invaluable right but if you come up with some theories and try to uh, predict the way people are going to behave, uh, predict what people are going to click on. That is essentially Google's algorithm, right? They they want to put the best um, search result at the top of the page in spot number one there. And by analyzing people's behaviors about what they click on and how long they stay on a page, and if they go to another page after they visit that page, they can come up with a, a hierarchy or like a, a ranking of search results based on your query. So um, I think that's just a really good example of big data in the mass like that we use every day. Yeah, I mean, Google is a very good, um, I guess, example for that because they're using all that algorithm and, and search engine data and they're essentially just using that information and they're selling it for, for marketing and advertising purposes, right? That is their bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk about what type of databases there are out there. Because we've actually developed a website together, you and I, or you so much. But um, like, what kind of uh, database programs are there? Or coding language? I don't know if I have that right. Is that right? Uh, databases separate from software. Um, the, the Applications. Uh, there you go. Um, the ba- the main software now I'm screwing up. The main database language is something called SQL, which is uh, an acronym SQL, which stands for Structured Query Language, and um, that is basically kind of giving a command to a database, asking it for certain results and it spits it back out at you. So it's just a bunch of commands and responses that you get from a database. Um, that is not big data. I mean, you you can technically implement a big data database in SQL, but there are new, newer, more modern technologies to do something like that. And the main one that I am most familiar with, and I think a lot of 
people in the software field are is Apache's Hadoop. And that is a series of applications. Um, and the, I always get a kick out of the names for these. Um, HBase, Pig, Hive. These are some of the, the applications that you can execute within the Hadoop framework that um, allows you to, I'm going to say, easily implement a, a big data database. And I say easily with a grain of salt because it's actually really, really complicated. I've actually taken a, a college class in... Um, big data processing using Hadoop. And let me tell you, if I wanted to do that today, implement something like this, it would take me a really long time to do because it's a lot of complicated stuff. Um, and I've been a software engineer for over five years. So that being said, it's really, uh, um, it's a good tool, but there's a huge learning curve. Let's just put it that way. No, I'm sure there is. Um, okay. Well, how, uh, what exactly are these applications doing then? Like, you're you're they're databases, right? So, do you actually have to input data into them? Yeah, yeah, you can do that in any number of ways. Um, let's just assume that you already have a database set up in Hadoop. Um, these individual applications have their specific purposes. Some will help you query the database. Another application will help you analyze the database, and there's other ones that are just like higher level ones that help you manage the database. So they all have their specific purposes. Um, unfortunately, I can't speak intelligently about which one does what, and I'm sure it wouldn't be that useful or interesting anyway. No, I mean, we're just talking about the concept of big data revolution, yeah. right? Or the or concept of big data. And like, hopefully the next time you hear Hadoop, you can associate that back with big data. Yeah, and so, okay. Well, in a practical sense, where do you think big data, like, I guess the future of it, right? Because the revolution is happening now. But, like, where do you think this ultimately ends up? Do you have an idea? Um, I don't know. Just looking at the, looking at it from a software perspective, I think it is up and coming. Um, it's going to be more, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's so many different fields like VR and uh, artificial intelligence, all these, like, up and coming technologies in the software world. One of them is going to be big data, just because of the sheer amount of data that is created every single day. All right, Tony, so so based off that, I have an interesting statistic for you. Okay, what's that? Okay, so listen to this. This is a little dated, but I think the, the, the trend is very, certainly very impressive. Okay, so let's say you had 10 gigabytes of data getting sent to the database, okay? Mm-hmm. You following? Yes. In 2011, it would have taken you two days to generate 10 gigabytes a day. And this is just an example. It's not concrete, but this is just giving you a trend. So in 2011, it took two days to create 10 gigabytes of data. Okay. Mm -hmm. In 2013, two years later, it took 10 minutes to create 10 gigabytes of data. Whoa. So that's, I don't even know. That's more than like, I was told there is no math on this podcast. (laughs) So you have to do it. It's, it's a lot more data being generated and just, two years later and that was six years ago so i can only imagine what the the numbers look like today yeah that that's that's beyond beyond like i i would never have thought that no i didn't even think you could record that much like you're you're talking about like literally exponential not even logarithmic differences something like that yeah something crazy yeah oh my god but uh wow that's i mean i i can only imagine what that at that rate is now like using that 10 gigabyte example, what is it like 10 seconds? 
because because you got to think about how many people are on the internet now mm-hmm. in two, the, 2000 i mean listen you're still on like internet or dial up in 2011 right i mean you're still dial up like last year <laughs> that's true <laughs> dsl more and more 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 people are getting you know cable or fiber yeah it's crazy i i don't know let me let me turn that question back on you mark what do you see in the future 10 50 years from now yeah i don't so i think well this is leading to the big are these big data sets eventually going to lead to artificial intelligence mm-hmm. right yeah, so can you can you take the data produced by people just in their everyday life pull it together and just create i don't know every every <laughs> there are unlimited number of possibilities um like if you like in in a day right many things unexpectedly could happen um and obviously you as a human being who is conscious and you think you're able to kind of adapt to those different changes um but if you have what i don't know like a couple a few billion people on this planet and you're pulling data from all of them can you develop a a a program that is able to actually act intelligently and self-sufficiently based off this data i don't know but i think that's you don't think so no i'm 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 shaking my head in like disbelief and agreement with you because 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 you you're, if you look at that that rate at that rate that we just talked about in with that amount of data why couldn't we produce an artificial intelligence that is 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 able to think relatively uh i don't want to say coherently because it's not coherent it's relatively straightforward i guess that makes sense i i agree with you i think I think that is where we're headed. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. This, this is not a plug for all artificial intelligence. This is just where <laughs> I think these, these big data, but I do think at some point, like you still do need a human to, to dictate all this. And I guess this is, this is the thing where like, do we trust the robots? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know in a, a couple episodes ago, I said something like, it's only ever as smart as the the person who programs it or the collection of people who program it. Um, but I think um, in order to get through this data, you do need some type of artificial intelligence, which who knows what that's going to look like. Yeah, because I don't think you can ever really... This is this is the ultimate, whatever, the, the doomsday disaster where the robots take over the world. I don't know if you can actually like program morality or, or, or ethics into a program. Mm. right that's it's, right. it's always going to be it's always going to be um binary for a program yeah that's essentially what they're made up of bits and yeah. bytes bits and yeah. bytes wow um, well that's uh compelling stuff for this podcast guys we really made you think on a different level at this point i love it though i i, I really do um but yeah let's uh let's what do you say we wrap it up and uh talk about next week okay um i think what are we gonna do another travel one i think we should yeah okay um yeah we'll figure that out but it'll be travel one this one was really too techy for us yeah you guys well well, okay so going back this is just maybe think of something thought of something Mm -hmm. tesla tesla's using their um kind of like their machine learning and all their all those guys that are driving those teslas on autopilot they're actually monitoring that data Oh, they're, yes. using, they're using that data to improve on the autopilot. 
yet another example of this big data, machine learning, artificial intelligence. Yeah. Yep. And so if you haven't listened to that podcast on electric cars or self-driving cars, you should go take a listen to it. That is episode, episode what, Tony? 19 for electric cars, 20 for autonomous cars. Okay. All right. Well, if that's it, um, we'll do a travel podcast next week and that'll be it. Cool. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. We'll see Thank you guys. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. I'm going to say it this time. Oh, stop stop hogging it. Please go. Thank you, you ladies and gentlemen, for listening. <laughs> <Thank laughs> you can you only la- say it if you don't mess it up. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. We will see you next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please follow us on Twitter at the 4501 Podcast to keep up with the latest news and events. If you have any suggestions for episodes or would like to contact us, shoot us an email at the 4501podcast at gmail.com.